0: It's Sunday night, it's 6 p.m., and that means just one thing. Don't be alarmed by the following tune, this is still rapidly rotating records. <laughs> Welcome to a special 4th of July edition of Rapidly Rotating Records. I'm your host, Glenn Robison, and you can already tell this is a special show because we've replaced our regular theme song of Avalon with Sousa's band, playing John Philip Sousa's Federal March, which I thought was very appropriate given the theme of the show, which is the original 13 American Colonies. That may be a Sousa march played by Sousa's band, but Sousa himself hated technology and refused to conduct his orchestra on most recordings. On this December 20th, 1910 Victor recording, the band was conducted by Edwin G. Clark, who conducted the band on dozens of recordings from 1903 to 1911. We've got the usual assortment of hot bands, sweet bands, blues, and jazz, But another thing that's special about this show is that there's no way it was going to fit within the confines of one hour, so it's somewhat longer than that. We've got some great records and lots of information and history and hopefully even a couple of laughs. So sit back, relax with your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. Yesterday was the 4th of July, celebrated here in the U.S. as Independence Day. But back in 1776, it wasn't all picnics, parades, and fireworks. The 3rd of July were a bunch of colonies, and the 4th were the good old USA. Now, I'm certainly no scholar of American history, but I believe the following very condensed information is pretty accurate. On July 1st, the Second Continental Congress met in Philadelphia... And the following day, 12 of the 13 colonies voted in favor of Richard Henry Lee's motion for independence from Britain. New York's delegates weren't yet authorized to vote for independence and didn't officially lend their support until July 9th. On the morning of July 4th, Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence and copies of the approved text, known as the Dunlop Broadsides, were printed that night in the shop of Philadelphia printer John Dunlop to be distributed across the 13 colonies to newspapers, officials, and commanders of the Continental troops. About 27 copies of the Dunlap broadsides are extant. The first public reading of the declaration didn't take place until July 8th, and it took another couple of weeks for the document to be engrossed, that is, officially printed on parchment, which most of the delegates signed on August 2nd, but several signed later, and two never signed at all. Signed copies of the Declaration of Independence, printed by Mary Catherine Goddard of Baltimore, weren't sent to the states until the following year. The process of forming a central government began in 1776 with the Articles of Confederation, adopted in 1781. They didn't work out so well, and in 1787 the Constitutional Convention was held in Philadelphia, and after four months of debate the delegates came up with the Constitution. It took effect when New Hampshire became the ninth state to ratify it in late June of 1788. That greatly simplified background is the basis for the playlist for tonight's show, which consists of records relating to each of the original 13 colonies. At the time, lists of the 13 colonies were usually in geographical order from north to south in three groups, the New England colonies, Middle colonies, and Southern colonies, but we're going to list them in the order in which they ratified the Constitution, officially becoming states. First up, Delaware. The Delaware colony was founded in 1638 by Peter Minuit and the New Sweden Company. Peter Minuit's other claim to fame was as the Protestant leader of the New York colony and the guy who bought Manhattan from the Native Americans for various trinkets and goods estimated to be worth the equivalent of $24. According to Stan Freeberg, here's how that transaction went down.
1: Too many moons we live here, White Cloud. Time to unload this crummy island. Sell Manhattan to white man. Get me plenty junk jewelry, all right?
2: All right. Me list with real estate agent. He find live one, okay? Okay. Okay, Chief, I think I got a live one for you. Dutchman. Now, when he gets here, let me do all the talking, all right? Mm. Here he is now. Come in. Uh, what can we do for you, sir? Well, I've seen your listing in the paper here. For sale, Iceland. Now, if you're in the market for an island, friend, you couldn't go wrong, believe me. What's the asking price? Now, a beautiful piece of property like this couldn't let it go for a nickel less than $32 worth of junk jewelry. What, $32 for a crummy piece of undeveloped property like this? I'm going to see you around. Uh, Make it $29.50. Go away. Look, I don't like to haggle, Pete. Make it $28.25. Come on. Uh, Wait a minute. I'll give you $24. Sold, but none of that cash stuff. The chief's wife wants strictly junk jewelry. Okay, it's a deal. Here you go. You're lucky the price wasn't no higher. I never carry more than $24 in junk jewelry.
0: That's the sale of Manhattan from the 1961 Grammy Hall of Fame and Grammy-winning LP. Stan Freeberg presents the United States of America, Volume 1, The Early Years, which I bought when it first came out. Unfortunately, I had to edit out the big tap dance number for time, but the album is readily available on YouTube and that website that sounds like a South American rainforest. But getting back to the Delaware colony... The Swedes reportedly erected America's first log cabins at Fort Christina, now Wilmington. They were defeated by the Dutch in 1655, and the English, in turn, seized the colony in 1664. It was part of New York until 1673, when it ceded to William Penn, and Pennsylvania and Delaware shared an appointed governor until the Revolution. Delaware was the first colony to ratify the Constitution and became a state on December 7th, 1787. Now, you normally associate peach picking time with Georgia, but we're going to join Albert Campbell and Henry Burr when it's peach picking time in Delaware.
3: and waiting.
0: Tried it a couple of times on July 8, 1915, but Albert Campbell and Henry Burr finally got it right on Take 5 a couple of weeks later on July twenty-second, and Victor issued it as catalog number 17837. Alfred T. Kent wrote the words and James Candace the music. I couldn't find anything else by Kent, but Candace also wrote, What's the Color of a Yellow Horse? The province of Pennsylvania, or the Pennsylvania Colony, was founded on March 4, 1681, under a royal charter given to William Penn as a place for Quakers to settle, made in payment of a debt owed by Charles II to Penn's family. William Penn wasn't being egotistical with the name of the colony. The name Pennsylvania was specified in the charter, a combination of Penn's name and the Latin word sylvania, meaning forest land, together translating roughly as Penn's Woods. Pennsylvania colony ratified the Constitution on December 12, 1787. Well, they're cheering the University of Pennsylvania and not the state, but nevertheless, here are the rah-rah boys. 10032 May 19, 1930, and Hale, Pennsylvania. There are a lot of groups called the ra rah Boys, but this particular one was apparently a house vocal group for the Regal Record Company, and they recorded school marches and fight songs not only for Penn, but also Army, Navy, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, Harvard, and others issued on the Plaza Music Company's labels, Regal, Banner, and Domino. Pennsylvania was written by Edgar M. Dilley, a member of the class of 97. The region of present-day New Jersey was originally settled by the Dutch as part of New Netherlands, but when they surrendered Fort Amsterdam to the British in 1664, King Charles II granted his brother James, the Duke of York, the area as a royal colony. James never even visited his colony, and later that year gave part of it to Sir George Carteret to settle a debt and the territory was named after the island of Jersey, one of the British Channel Islands, Carteret's ancestral home. The other section James sold to his friend Lord Berkeley of Stratton, and he and Carteret became the two English lords proprietors of New Jersey. In 1673, Berkeley sold his part to the Quakers, dividing the colony into East Jersey and West Jersey and in 1702, the whole thing was turned back to the crown and ruled as a royal colony. New Jersey colony became a state on December 17, 1787, six days after Pennsylvania. So what do you say we take a musical trip to Hackensack? Hackensack.
3: know oh, the meaning of the word called joy. I'm going back to that little black shack. Pack and hack and hack and, hack and jersey. And let the word learn how to... Speak.
0: The Benson Orchestra of Chicago, directed by Don Bester, who were back in Hackensack, New Jersey on April 2, 1924. The vocalist was Frank Sullivano, and Back in Hackensack, New Jersey was written by Art L. Biner and Dan Russo.
4: Claremont, California, 91711.
0: Continuing our tribute to the 13 original colonies, Georgia was the southernmost and the last of the colonies and was established 50 years after the other 12. The colony's charter was granted to General James Oglethorpe on April 21, 1732, by George II, for whom the colony was named. It was settled by 116 men and women hand-selected by Oglethorpe and who traveled to the new colony aboard the 200-ton frigate Anne. While each of the other 12 colonies established a representative assembly, Georgia was ruled by 20 trustees from England. The trustees limited the size of land holdings, prohibited the importation of rum, and banned slavery, Roman Catholics, and lawyers. That last one might have been a good idea. The system didn't work out very well. Slavery was allowed in 1750. The trustees returned the colony to the crown in 1752, and it was then governed by a series of royal governors appointed by the king. Georgia was the fourth colony to ratify the Constitution on January 2nd, 1788. Now there are lots of vintage records about Georgia, and here's one of the best.
3: tender tones that lulled me to rest, for the angels would listen from up on high to that Georgia lullaby.
0: Played that record since 2011. I know! Adrian Schubert's dance orchestra, identified on the label of Domino 31046, as the Rialto Dance Orchestra with Georgia Lullaby. The vocalist was Scrappy Lambert. This Georgia Lullaby was recorded September 18, 1928, but was written a quarter century earlier in 1903 by Halsey K. Moore, and is not to be confused with the Georgia Lullaby, a waltz written by Charles Cordray in 1924 and recorded by several bands that year. The Connecticut Colony, originally known as the Connecticut River Colony, or simply the River Colony, was established March 3, 1636 as a Puritan settlement, but the English gained control of the region the following year. Two other English settlements were merged into the Connecticut Colony, the Saybrook Colony, in 1644, and the New Haven Colony in 1662. The Colony of Connecticut ratified the Constitution and became the fifth state on January 9, 1788. The following record isn't about Connecticut itself, but something that was named after the state. Battleship Connecticut March, written not by John Philip Sousa, but by James M. Fulton, who also wrote the Battleship Oregon March. Arthur Pryor's band recorded this in eight takes in three different sessions in three different years, with one take from each session issued on Victor 16113. The recording dates were September 22, 1908, April 12, 1912, and June 17, 1913. When commissioned on September 29, 1906, the battleship Connecticut was the most advanced ship in the U.S. Navy. Starting in 1907, she sailed around the world with the Great White Fleet of 16 battleships, making friendly courtesy visits to 14 different countries. The northernmost of the 13 colonies, the Massachusetts Bay Colony, included what is now Massachusetts, Maine, New Hampshire, and Connecticut. It was founded by the Massachusetts Bay Company under the leadership of Governor John Winthrop in 1630, and by 1640 was home to about 20,000 Puritans. The Massachusetts Bay Colony ratified the Constitution to enter the Union on February 6, 1788. So we're going to go musically to Massachusetts, courtesy of Jean Krupa.
1: above massachusetts with the one i love massachusetts just like jack and jill massachusetts we'll climb bunker hill massachusetts spread the news around the massachusetts bar
0: Orchestra with Massachusetts from OK-6695. The vocalist was Anita O'Day, born Anita Bell Colton on October 18, 1919. She met Gene Krupa while performing in Chicago in 1939 and a couple of years later was singing with his big band. She recorded 34 Sides with Krupa, Massachusetts, arranged by Elton Hill, on July 13, 1942. It sure doesn't sound like what we're used to hearing from them, but Massachusetts was written by Andy Razaf and Lucky Roberts. I know. If you ask most anyone for whom the city of Baltimore, founded in 1633, is named, they'll probably answer with Lord Baltimore. But Lord Baltimore was actually Cecil Calvert, Second Baron Baltimore, better known as Lord Baltimore, whose official title was First Lord Proprietary, Earl Palatine of the provinces of Maryland and Avalon in America. His father, George Calvert, First Baron Baltimore, had established a settlement in what is now Newfoundland named Ferryland, ferry as in boat, and later secured a charter for the colony under the name Avalon. The weather up there didn't suit him, and he convinced King Charles to grant him a second territory further south. He died before the charter was official, and the original charter for the proprietary colony of Maryland was granted to Cecil Calvert, Lord Baltimore, on June 20, 1632. Maryland is named for Henrietta Maria, daughter of King Henry IV of France and the French wife of King Charles I of England. Maryland became a state on April 28, 1788. In the third segment, the Benson Orchestra was in Hackensack. Well, here they are down in Maryland. was the Benson Orchestra directed by Don Bester. On C Melody Sachs, Frankie Trumbauer. Victor 19022 was recorded January 29, 1923, and Down in Maryland was written by Bert Kalmar and Harry Ruby. King Charles granted the Carolina Charter in sixteen sixty three for land south of Virginia Colony and north of Spanish Florida to eight Lords proprietors, in return for their financial and political help in restoring him to the throne in 1660, following England's Civil War. The province covered the area of North and South Carolina, and the distance between the northern and southern sections presented challenges. In 1729, seven of the lord's proprietors sold their interests to the crown, and North Carolina and South Carolina became separate royal colonies. By the 1700s, the slave population of South Carolina was nearly double the white population, and South Carolina's slave trade wasn't limited to African slaves. It also exported American Indian slaves to the British West Indies and other British colonies. South Carolina ratified the Constitution and became a state on May 23, 1788, and to commemorate South Carolina's statehood, Here's Willie Walker with South Carolina Rag.
2: Talk about your girl, but you ought to see mine. Ain't so pretty, but you do just fine. I'll tell you, that's no way to do. drink of water, she brings me gasoline. Now don't you think that's treating right me mighty mean? i tell you there's no way to do. Now Mr. Music Man, ain't that great, Play a thing for just as long as you can. I'll tell you, that's no way to do. Hey, Babe, that's the way to do. Won't, babe, treat me mean. Begging for water and you bring gasoline. I'm tell you, that's no way to do. Just as long as you can. i to tell you There's no way to do. Talk about your gas, honestly, mine. Ain't so pretty, but she sure to dress fine. How'd I don't tell you, that's no way to do. Boy, athlete, water to brought gasoline. Tell you that's treating me mighty me. to tell you there's no way to do.
0: American blues guitarist and singer Willie Walker, accompanying himself on South Carolina Rag, from Columbia 14578, recorded September 6, 1930, in Atlanta, Georgia. That was Walker's only recording session, but it resulted in four issued sides. And if it sounds like a lot of guitar on that record, that's because Willie was also accompanied by Sam Brooks, his cousin. Willie Walker was born in April 1896 and was blind from birth. He spent most of his life in and around Greenville, South Carolina, working as an itinerant musician, and he died in Greenville in 1933.
4: Doing our part to keep alive the music of the 1920s and 30s. This is Rapidly Rotating Records, Sunday evenings at 6 on KISL-FM 88.7 Avalon and available anytime on demand online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com.
0: The New Hampshire colony was founded in sixteen twenty three by Captain John Mason, who named it after his homeland in Hampshire County, England. New Hampshire was at first not strongly in favor of independence, but with the battle at Lexington and Concord, many of its inhabitants joined the revolutionary cause. In fact, New Hampshire was the first colony to declare its independence from England, adopting its own constitution in early 1776, about six months before signing the Declaration of Independence. Its independence as part of the United States was confirmed with the 1783 Treaty of Paris, and New Hampshire ratified the U.S. Constitution on June 21, 1788. And here to celebrate New Hampshire's statehood is Zez Confrey and his orchestra with New Hampshire. Zez Confrey and his orchestra with New Hampshire, written by Gene Schwartz. Zez Confrey himself was at the piano for the first three takes on March 14, 1923, but they were all rejected. So they brought in Phil Oman a week later, and he nailed it on take seven. Next up, the Colony of Virginia, chartered in 1606 and settled in 1607 with Jamestown, the first English permanent settlement in the country. Virginia was named after England's Virgin Queen, Elizabeth I. The Virginia colony declared independence from the Kingdom of Great Britain in 1775, becoming the Commonwealth of Virginia and adopting the Old Dominion as its official slogan. Virginia ratified the Constitution on June 25, 1788. So what do you say we go musically down Old Virginia way? Several recordings of a waltz tune titled Down Old Virginia Way, composed by Abe Ullman and Gladys Gillette. The words were written by Vernon T. Stevens and Jack Yellen, and interestingly, all the vocal recordings I found were sung as duets. The Down the Old Virginia Way we just heard, however, was written by someone named Bolton. Guy Bolton? Not really a composer and a little early. Ralph W. Bolton, who wrote When We Ride on the Merry-Go-Round? Could be. John Bol... No. During the late 1920s, the Gray-Gull Company of Boston made a huge number of sides using an equally huge number of pseudonyms, sometimes on different labels, each with a different band name. That record is from Gray-Gull 1379 and was recorded in June of 1926 by a quartet called the Bostonian Syncopators. Who they actually were, I have no idea, but regardless, it's a jaunty little tune and a nice record. The next of the original 13 colonies to ratify the Constitution was New York. Founded by Peter Minuit in 1624, the New York colony was originally called New Netherlands by its Dutch settlers. It became known as New York when James, the Duke of York, received control of it in 1664. New York became a state on July 25, 1788. So, in honor of New York, we're going to do the New York. Here's Ben Selvin and his orchestra.
1: beat of people's feet walking up and down the street and do the new york get the sound the crash and pound of the subway underground and do the new york you'll find there's something old and something new in it something hot and something blue in it seven million people doing it what a rhythm get the feel of stone and steel, add a little sex appeal, And do the New York. <laughs>
0: Ben Selvin and his orchestra credited on Columbia's budget harmony label as Jerry Fenwick and his orchestra with Dick Robertson providing the vocal on Do the New York, written by Barry Trivers, John Murray, and Ben Oakland. This was recorded July 7, 1931, but a week later the band recorded Do the New York again with the vocal by the Pickens Sisters and the Rondeliers, and that was issued on Columbia's primary label, credited to Selvin himself. You can hear that version on the March 26, 2017 show. I mentioned the province of Carolina earlier and the separation of North and South Carolina in 1729, but I didn't mention that the name Carolina is derived from the Latin name Carolus, translated as Charles, and the Carolinas are named for King Charles I of England. On November 21, 1789, North Carolina became the 12th state to ratify the Constitution, but many people believe that North Carolina was the first state to declare independence from England with the Mecklenburg Declaration of 1775. Fun fact, the North Carolina General Assembly enacted the Statewide Prohibition of Intoxicating Spirits in 1908, fully 12 years before the nationwide prohibition, imposed by the Volstead Act and the 18th Amendment to the Constitution. And, of course, we all know how effective Prohibition was. Here are the Stone Mountain boys who are making liquor in North Carolina.
5: Hello, Moz. Hey, here. Yeah. I see you're still packing that old banjo around. Oh, yes. Where's your fiddle? Oh, it's around here somewhere. Say, if you see anything to the other boys, we need to be punching the coals down on the branch right now.
6: Yeah, I think they'll be here right away.
5: Well, let's see if we can play that old tune, uh, Mississippi Sawyer, while we wait. All right, let her go. Hello, Thompson. Hello here, Thompson. Well, hello, boys. Say, is anything of Bob?
7: Yeah.
5: He's gone over to Bunkle Eli's to grind his axe. He'll be on in a few minutes. Hmm. I'll bet when Gable blows his trumpet, Bob will have to go to Bunkle Eli's to grind his axe before he can start. Say, did you bring that arm and hammer soda in the proof box? Man, I reckon I did. I brought everything from a box of matches to a wheelbar. Good. If you hadn't brought that Georgia buggy, Miles wouldn't have had anything to haul wood on. Say, Miles, Go out there and grease that thing up good. I could hear you coming a mile through the woods the other day. That very doggone thing is going to get us caught.
6: Yeah, boy, where's the grease? I'll make that thing run like a rubber-charged hack.
5: Say, I let it out there and greased my shoes yesterday and set it in the smokehouse behind that old sottin' hen. All right, I'll go see if I can find it.
6: <laughs> now, old hen, let's be careful about I one another here, now. Say, guy... I want another drink of that stuff. Now, I'll go out there and get that grease or I'll pull out a feather out of that dog hen one.
5: <clears> oh, <throat> uh, don't pickle yourself, in it?
6: Man, ain't that fine, though. <clears throat> now, old hen, say, we better be getting together on this thing around here now. I don't aim to hurt you if you don't mean it. if you do, I done smell you cooking right now. <laughs> All right, boys, I got a grease. Now, let's see if we can't play the cackling hen while I wait for the ball. All
5: right, let's go. <laughs> Hello, Bob. Hello, Bobby. Oh, hello, boys. Say, did you get your axe ground? Yes, sir. I think I did. You look at it and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can cut all the wood so that Miles can hold on his Georgia buggy. Hey, boy, let's go. I
6: was down there this morning the beer just had both eyes all loose.
5: Well, boys, let's go. Bob, you bring axe and condenser barrel. Thompson, you bring some rags and on a good long swamp stick. Miles, you bring the jugs on your buggy and be careful don't break none of them. And uh, I'll take some pace about pasting on the cat, and don't make so much noise as that doggone buggy is <coughs> around. And don't let that doggone pig follow you down there.
7: Do it here, do it.
6: Sal, call that hog dog gone it. Say, boys, say I believe we ought to have a phone up down here on the tree, and have Sal to watch for the man when he sees him coming. Like phone is up, and we better start getting this stuff out of here then.
5: Yeah, that would be all right. But if my wife calls down here, tell her I ain't here. Or if she finds this thing out, we just as so well start singing I'm in the jailhouse now. Oh, boy, don't you smell good. Let's trip my juggle while that worm hit that thing once. Now, Bob, you don't want to hit that too much and get that liquor in your long legs and start running to you do you be tied around a tree down here someplace. Now, boys, let's play another tune while she could. What would it be? Let's play old Aunt Kate as a bug on me. Ain't got a thing on me. I believe it's one on me, too. Get up from there, Miles, and come on, you lazy hound. Well, you ain't got no drinking water. All right, let's go, boys.
6: That's the phone, Miles. Hello? Yes, it's Miles. Huh? Yeah, you said it's Thompson down there. Tell the I ain't here. Hello? Hey, he said tell you he won't down here. Uh-oh, ain't she got no sense? Tell I've done left here. Hello? He said tell you he's done left here. What? Huh? When did he leave? Wait a minute, I'll ask him. i tell I'm coming home right now. Hello? Uh, he said tell you, uh-oh,
5: she's done hung up. Well, goodbye, boys. Look out for the man. He'll be here just any minute. Now, hurry back and let's get this liquor moved out of here before the office comes in. On June 12,
0: 1929, Paul Miles and the Red Fox Chasers recorded "Making Liquor, L-I-K-K-E-R, in North Carolina for Jeanette in Richmond, Indiana, with all four parts issued on Jeanette and Champion. Parts one and two only were issued on Supertone 9456 as by the Stone Mountain Boys. Banjo player Paul Miles formed the Red Fox Chasers in 1927 at the Union Grove Fiddlers Convention in northwestern North Carolina. Guitarist A.P. Fonzie Thompson and harmonica player Bob Cranford were already singing partners, and fiddler Guy Brooks was a childhood friend of Miles. The group made a total of 48 sides issued on various labels and other names, such as the Virginia Possum Tamers and the Black Mountain Gang. Rhode Island Colony was founded by Roger Williams, who had lived in the Massachusetts Bay and Plymouth colonies, but was banished by the General Court of Massachusetts in 1635. He made his way on foot to the Narragansett Bay where his friend chief Massasoit granted him a section of land but he was forced to move across the river where he was given land deed by two Narragansett chiefs and established the first permanent settlement in the new colony of Rhode Island naming it Providence Plantations the settlements of Providence Warwick Portsmouth and Newport were established But because title to the land was from American Indian deeds, they were threatened by the Massachusetts Bay and Plymouth colonies. So Roger Williams went to England in 1644 and secured a charter from Parliament. Rhode Island continued to be a safe haven for religious refugees, and the colony's General Assembly had their first recorded meeting in May of 1647. Rhode Island was the last of the 13 colonies to ratify the Constitution— which it did on May 29, 1790. Rhode Island is, of course, the smallest of the United States. How small is it? It's about the size of the King Ranch in Florida. It's about the size of Houston's bus system. It's about the size of Yosemite National Park. It's so small it can fit inside Texas 221 times. I could go on all night, but here's Guy Lombardo with Poor Little Rhode Island. And his Royal Canadians, December 1st, 1944, with Poor Little Rhode Island from DECA 18651. The vocal was by Stuart Foster and the Lombardo Trio. Stuart Foster sang on several other Lombardo records that year and recorded at least four sides under his own name for Decca in the late 1950s. I believe the information in this show has been accurate, and it is, of course, the most minute fraction of the history leading up to the founding of the United States of America, but I hope you've found it interesting and entertaining. I hope you had as pleasant, safe, and sane Fourth of July holiday as possible, given the current restrictions. I hope you and yours are safe and healthy and do what you need to do to stay that way. Nominally, on July 4, 1776, all 13 of those colonies came together to form the United States of America, So to tie this all together and wrap this show up, here's Art Castle and his Castles in the Air Orchestra expressing their opinion that everything's going to be okay, America. I share that optimism, and we can all help make sure that's the case by voting in November. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention.
5: now. Wrap up your troubles and throw them away. They're only bubbles and you'll find that out someday. Beyond the blue horizon a rainbows peeping through. So just keep your eyes on that good old red, white, and blue. Say everything is gonna be okay. Okay, America. Okay, America now. Come on, let's all sing it. Everything is gonna be okay,
3: America. Okay, Way. They're only bubbles, you'll find out someday. Beyond the blue horizon, a rainbow peeping through. So try to keep your eyes on the Hatcher of blue, because everything is going to be okay, America. Okay, America.